Paranormal Perception is brought to you by the new book by Sabrina Marie, Two Realm Paranormal, Torn Between Realms. It's available right now on barnesandnoble.com or on the paranormalperception.show homepage. Paranormal Perception is a full-bodied apparition summoned by... 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC. You've found it. Your guide through the unknown. This is your guide through the new normal for the new decade. Paranormal Perception. Parapsychology. Restless souls. Cryptozoology. Disclosure. Ghosts. Artificial intelligence. Unheard whispers. Close your eyes. Open your ears and your mind. It is called the unknown for a reason. By the end of this episode, you'll have a new perception on the paranormal. A paranormal perception with Henry San Miguel. Welcome to Paranormal Perception, the Halloween episode. We made it. We are here. It's Halloween weekend. Well, if you're listening on Friday, it's Halloween weekend. If you're listening on Halloween, have a happy Halloween. Hope everybody's staying safe and having fun. However you celebrated, we are going to celebrate it here on Paranormal Perception, as I've been telling you all month, by trying to scare each other. And it's, uh, I think, a little bit harder to do on this show than, uh, than most shows, especially the other show that I do, the Geek Speak show. I used to do it over there. Have every have the listeners share their uh, their scary stories or ghost stories. They 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 like they like that. There were there were a few of them. I'm sure some of them came over here. But I decided this year, you know, I'm gonna switch it to paranormal perception because when you listen to a show called Paranormal Perception or anything paranormal, usually it's because you yourself have had a brush with the other side, a real paranormal experience in that. We've got, you, you all have quite a few. I've met you at some of the live events we, we've done and you've emailed me. And so I know that you you have a few and all of you now are going to get to hear them from from your fellow Paranormal Perception listeners. And I, and I think this is going to start a, a tradition. This is going to be annually, the annual Paranormal Perception Halloween episode, sharing our ghost stories or making up scary stories, trying to scare each other. Because, you know, on this show, all year long, we talk about the scary anyway. So on the day where the rest of the world talks about ghosts and the scary and you know, the all the spooky stuff that we usually talk about, how about we have a little bit of fun? So that's what we're going to do on this one. This uh, Halloween episode for this year is so big, like a huge cake, we had to slice it in two. So it's a two-parter. This first part you're about to listen to right now, we I guess we could refer to it as the Unearthing the Supernatural Halloween Special. I mean, they have one on Paraflix. If you're a subscriber, you've probably watched it by now. If not, there's a reason for you to subscribe to Paraflix because they have not just Unearthing the Supernatural, but a lot of really good paranormal shows, original shows on there and movies. So uh, they did. they have a Halloween special on there. But this one... And we started, and it, it's so big. Their stories are so big, and they, they have so many, but they gave, they gave me uh, one or two each. But their stories are so big and so uh, scary and amazing that it, t- it took two locations to, to get them all down. Uh, we started recording them at Vulture City Paracon, at Vulture City when, uh, when, when that happened earlier th- this month. 
And then we continued here, here in our studio when we came back. So let's start first with the uh, the, the two that were recorded at Vulture City Paracon, and then we'll bring in the rest of the team. But this episode is going to be all unearthing the supernatural. Now, if you've watched their videos, you know all about them. You know they have a lot of experiences, the scary ones. They deal with the demonic entities, so they they have a lot of them. So sit back, relax. Those of you that are hearing about them for the first time, well, you're welcome. And like I said, you can watch them on their YouTube or especially on Paraflix. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe now. And after you watch their first season and, and into the, you know, the second season is, is happening now as we speak, uh, including the Halloween special, I guarantee you, you wanna, you're going to want to keep Paraflex, not just for unearthing the supernatural, but everything else that they also have. So let's kick it off. Uh, little break. We'll, you'll hear from uh, our sponsor and then we'll come back. We'll light the fireplace, open the window because I don't know if you can hear it. Um, I have the windows closed now, but. It is. A, there is a storm outside, even if it's not raining where you are. Just pretend. Imagination. Use your imagination. But we'll, we'll get the fireplace going. Everybody sit down, relax, and get ready to be scared. With 30 years of paranormal investigations and research under their belts, a lifetime of experiences, and the gifts that make it all worth it, Two Realm Paranormal truly live the paranormal. This mother-daughter investigative team has experienced it all and they go anywhere needed in search of answers with a single goal in mind, helping both the living and the dead. Their new book was written for those who feel like they're going crazy in a paranormal nightmare, so they know they are not alone. Filled with their experiences, theories, and even a little fun, it's definitely a book every paranormal enthusiast needs in their collection. Two Realm Paranormal, Torn Between Realms, is written by Sabrina Marie and is available for shipping now at barnesandnoble.com. Just search the number two, Realm Paranormal. Paranormal Perception continues. Now, I'm going to have you go first because uh, I'm going to bring back everybody in a, in a second. Yeah. Because uh, uh, everybody, even the attendees, they're doing it. They, yeah. This is for the uh, the Halloween episode, the Paranormal Perception yeah. Halloween episode. Where uh, I'm having everybody do what everybody does on Halloween. At some point, mm-hmm. you tell scary stories or a ghost yeah. story or something that you experience from the supernatural, from the paranormal. Yeah. So you get to start this one for another the, super, the supernatural. Oh, bring everybody else in in a second. But you start actually. Hero, yeah, he, he has to think about this because he, he said he actually has. He told us one on the uh, on the Orange County on the uh, Orange County virtual yeah. Par- par- panel. Yeah. But he says he has an even scarier one. But legally, he can't talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah. But he said he might have another <laughs> one, so he's walking around. He'll think about it. He'll come back. Pretty, pretty much, that's like eighty percent of his stories is like, can I legally say that on the air? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get to start it. So it's either one you make up just to scare people. Yeah. Or something that you that you've gone through that you think is scary that would be perfect as a scary Halloween story. Okay. So. I'm going to go back to my most traumatic, traumatic story I've ever had as a child. So, when I was, we used to stay... Wait, this isn't the one where Hero hurt you when you were younger? No, 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 no. This is like real scary. This is, yeah, this one, this one's... (laughs) That one was scary to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, let me take you back in time now. So, I believe I was around eight, nine years old, little kid. Winter time was coming up, so... 
Uh, my mom busts out the winter winter cotton bed sheets and everything with the little polar bears on there and everything. And uh, school is out for uh, Christmas break and everyone's getting ready to go to bed. And at this time, uh, I lived in a house where there was a very long hallway. And in that long hallway, my brother and I had our own rooms. And my parents live on the other side of the house. So it was pretty pretty far for them to uh, separation, I guess you could say, in the house and everything. And going to bed, I turn off my TV and everything. And, you know, just another day, another night. And as I'm sleeping, um, you go and I, I was, something woke me up. I'm not too sure what it was, but a sudden, sudden fear, a change in the air, a change in the energy came. And I wake up. And I look out my door and I look down the hallway and we had hardwood flooring and you can just hear somebody running down the hallway and it's like two or three o'clock in the morning and I see a dark shadow of somebody run into my room and immediately in front of my door I had a desk right there and to the right of the desk was my bed. That spirit, that entity was grabbing stuff, my toys, everything I had on that desk and was started throwing it at me. And I couldn't do nothing. I was petrified. I was screaming, calling out for my mom, my brother, somebody praying somebody would hear me and everything. And um, it was it was one of the most terrifying things that have shocked me all the way up until this day that has really changed my outlook on the paranormal. And my mother comes running. with She turns on the hallway light. And I remember the spirit turns. It looks at me but it just has a black face everything was just black and you there was you couldn't see through it wasn't silhouette and he looks at that the hallway as the light turns on and he runs down the hallway and that's the last of it my brother comes running in he's like are you okay what happened and it's like something came in my room something attacked me and this is something that shook me was years later when i was older uh, we were joking about it at the dinner table talking about it and everything like that but my mom I was telling the story again. My mother came up and while we were at the table, she's like, son, let me tell you something I never told you when you were younger. That spirit, when it ran out of your room, it ran down the hallway and ran into the living room. And I saw it myself. She saw it. She said that it ran behind the couch and she yelled at it, screamed at it. And she told it, get out of here. You're not allowed to be here. So it ran out with the front door. It forced open the front door and it ran out. And when I heard that, I was just like, it's just validation and crazy that my own mother saw that spirit too. So that's my little crazy paranormal story and everything like that. It's just one of many, but that's one of the first iconic ones for Sean Clen of Unearthing the Supernatural. All right. So that was Sean Clen's story. Yes. Now, let me bring in, I'm slowly going to bring in the rest of uh, Unearthing the Supernatural because they could do it together, but that was too easy. Yeah. So let me introduce you guys now to Best Pal from Unearthing the Supernatural. Hello. I like you because, like, what I'm doing here, yeah. you're their audio guy. Yeah, audio guy. I love seeing wires. I like how I've seen it nice and neat. I don't like seeing wires cross. And yeah. just he, likes, he likes the yes, toys, nice, is what yes, he's saying. Yes. So what, I, what I'm going to have you do is what I had everybody do. Mm -hmm. um, the hero is actually thinking about it because he had a story. Yeah. But like Sean Clan said, most of his stories are, well, can I legally talk about that? So yeah. a lot of them he can't legally talk about. So he's gonna, yes. He said he's going to think about one yes. that he can talk about, yeah. and he'll tell us that. Mm -hmm. But Sean Clan told his yeah. from childhood. Yours is going to be, this again, this is going to be a, 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 for the Halloween episode. Yeah. This is one that either you have experienced in real life. Yeah. Or just if you want to get creative, yeah. Yeah. it's audio. Mm -hmm. They make it an audio, yeah. fun, scary story mm -hmm. for Halloween. So floor is yours. Go ahead okay. and take it. So, um, growing up, 
um, being in the native culture and all that, you're taught about the spirits and everything and what what can happen. And um, my my dad, when he was when he was working construction, he um, apparently it was by in Arizona, northern Arizona, so it was in a foresty area, and he, he urinated on a tree. And apparently that's, it was unmarked, it was an unmarked tree, and apparently someone was buried there. Mm. And it's been, I guess apparently it's been bothering my dad this whole time until a couple years ago, we started to talk to the medicine men, and that's when I really started to get into all this stuff. And it was saying that it was starting to affect all of us as his kids. Because my, bro my, my brother, he's a really good bull rider. He grew up um, rodeoing, and he was doing really good. Then he wouldn't really do good. Then my my older sister, she was into basketball. She would do really good, and then she wouldn't do very good. Mm -hmm. So something was affecting our family growing up. And so we started having ceremonies after ceremonies, and slowly we would start to chip off of what was going on. And I'm not too sure how old I was, but a medicine man was singing, doing a thing, and he stopped. Everything went quiet, and he walked up to me. And he looked, he just said, lift up your shirt. So I looked up my shirt and he like sucked on it like for a while, like a good 30 seconds. On your shirt? Uh, no, on my chest, on my chest. And he chucked on my chest. And he went, he started coughing like really bad. And like he was, he was looking for like a, um, a napkin and he was, hand, somebody handed him a napkin and he spit it out and it was um, like an arrowhead. He spit it on an arrowhead and he said it was, it was inside of me. And... The same thing happened with my older, my little brother, but it was a snake tooth. He was mm. medicine man stuck out a snake tooth. And so that was all taken care of. Um, and that was, it was really tough going through that. I, um, going through these places because I have just anxiety normally. And coming through these places, you just get even a little bit more anxiety. So I've dealt with that all this whole time. Well, how did this arrowhead get in you, though? And apparently someone was be, would be winching us mm. in the native traditional ways, and plus of what what my dad did when he was younger with the urinating on the tr on someone's grave, which yeah. he didn't know. So that all that and the medicine man had to s slowly just get it all out. Okay, that I think is scary for anybody here now. <laughs> yes. I don't think anybody wants to hear it, but yes. I'm sure they're asking, so I have to yes. ask. G going through all that and saying that you know, being that a place like Vulture City yeah. here brings up that that anxiety. Why would you want to be, you know, part of a group like unearthing the supernatural? Um, because it's 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 what 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 they told me what they're trying to do is bring balance, and because I get anxiety because spirits will be, they'll be there, good or bad, because you don't know if they're good or bad. So so I did that. So what was I gonna say? Well. Look yeah. Let me ask you this, but yeah. the, uh, actually, it, since how long have you been part of UTS? Um, I actually went with Nick to the first ever investigation on YouTube. That's mm -hmm. on YouTube now. It's um, Apache Death Cave, and I helped him with my big camera rig that yeah. I had. It was to tape, and we went down into it and we investigated. But my my camera, it started messing up. We went to go review the evidence, and the, like ever since we went into the cave, it, it was just like the picture was wavy and it just didn't turn out great. Yeah. So now that you've done a few investigations with them, how, if at all in any way, has, has your view of the supernatural, the paranormal, has it changed in any way? Um, not really. Just I just yeah. Well, actually, I do. I have a little more respect out of all of all this learning from 
Hero and Sean Clan and everybody going through this together as a team. It's really cool to be part of. Yeah, well, cause I'm sure you've seen from the first season. Oh, yes. the, oh, yeah. what 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 they deal with. Yeah, that like 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 Hero says, it's not cast with a friendly ghost. So yes, yes. Even seeing that, you still want to. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've already seen it in our upcoming episodes in what we did in Nevada. Those that are becoming on Paraclix soon, those will be really good. And what we saw there really shook me, but I'm just ready to go again and see what's out there. Yeah, and that's actually, is that the Halloween special you're talking about? Uh, it might be, yeah. 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 Uh, that, if you're not subscribed to yeah, Paraflix, subscribe to Paraflix. And it's uh, Supernatural. Yeah. yeah. So go on there. So so again, Best Pal, thanks yes, a lot. thank you. Uh, that, that was... I don't know if scary. I, th- I would say more freaky. Yeah. I think most yeah. people would freak out yeah. if somebody yeah, yeah, pulled yeah. anything oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. without you knowing it. And did you ever feel anything? I didn't. I didn't feel anything at all. It's just, you... I, I kind of felt like a weight lifted off my shoulder. Yeah. Like, it, but other than that, it was just, just felt normal afterwards. No, I'm saying like even before it, it got pulled out, did you never no. felt anything in there? And... No, I didn't feel anything in there. It was just like a normal. Just... And was it your brother or your cousin that got the tooth out? Um, it was my little brother, yeah. Yeah, did, did he ever say, you know, my, no. my chest hurts no. or anything? Yeah. yeah, so like I said, yeah, it's scary, but yeah. like I said, most people would freak out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that happened to yeah. them. Yeah. So again, thanks a lot, mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, well, I wish you a happy Halloween, because yeah, so this is going to air well. on the Halloween yeah. episode. Enjoying these stories, aren't you? Yeah, me too. So, uh, for a little bit more fun, go on over to my other show, The Geek Speak Show. TheGeekSpeakShow.com is where you'll find it. That one over there, the Halloween episode has always been, for the last 11 years, the most listened to, the most downloaded episode, because they they love all the Halloween stuff over there. I'm sure you will, too. This year, especially, you Paranormal Perception listeners, you'll recognize one of the guests, M.R. Gorga. He was on here earlier this year. He talks about his book, In Demons, over there, and some other fun stuff. So, again, thegeekspeakshow.com for a little bit more Halloween fun. And now, with apologies to Paul Harvey... The rest of the ghost stories. Let's do part two because uh, I don't know why. Maybe they were trying to. They, they've got like fifty million stories and and not not shocking there. Under the supernatural, you we've got a couple of them that we recorded live on location when we were at Vulture City Paracon. But let me get the rest of the team now. So let's start with with uh, with Colta. Colta, you uh. Tease a little bit, give, give them a, a little tease what they're about to hear, and then go ahead and launch right into, into the story. Yes, yes. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me, Henry. Uh, thank you for sharing your platform with me, and I hope everybody enjoys the story because this is a very sensitive one to me. Uh, in my spiritual journey, this is actually like one of the first events that happened in my life. I was like, okay, there is another side. Because culturally, you always hear about... Um, or in movies, you always hear about the uh, the spiritual side. You hear about the demons. You hear about the hauntings. You hear about uh, spirits following you home after you go certain places. And this is one of the times I was like, okay, this is for real. I need to start taking this serious. Because culturally, we have ceremonies. We uh, say prayers. We have offerings for the spirits. But it doesn't really hit until you have that first on-hand experience. And for this story, this is what happened to me. Let me set, hold on, let me set the mood. Light the fire. Go, it's all yours. Make sure your voice sounds like this and you scare them. All right. <laughs> all right. So this story all starts 
when I met this girl. And I met this girl and we started like hitting it off. We started talking, we were texting every day. And eventually it became into dating. Long story short, we started dating and it was actually becoming pretty serious at the time. And we met up a few times, everything was going great. Uh, she and she invited me to her um, to her apartment, and I go over to her apartment to go watch a movie. And you know how late movies go; you start watching and you start falling asleep. And 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 we started watching this movie, fell asleep, and I didn't wake up until around three o'clock when I heard crying. I heard crying right next to me, so I got up startled. Started looking around. And it was nothing. Uh, and then I looked down at the ground and she was on the floor, balled up, curled up, uh, just crying her heart out. And I remember like going over to her and like, what happened? What happened? And she was like, it's here. It's here. I was like, what's here? Like, what's here? I don't see anything. It was just a dark room. And she was like, it's in the corner. It's in the corner. And I was like, I was looking in the corner. I was like, I don't see anything. And then she was like, oh, no, it's looking at you. I was like, what? What is she talking about? And then I was like, she was she was trying to explain it to me, but I didn't understand at the time. And uh, the windows were open. Uh, there was no voices going on. It was just me and her. And I just hear her crying her heart out. And she was explaining to me, there's this old lady in the corner. No face. And all black. And she's like singing to me, telling me to go with her. I was like, "What? That's crazy!" And she looked me in my eyes, like, "Why do you? Why are you looking at me like that?" I was like, "Oh no, I I believe you. Growing up in my background, growing up Navajo, you know these things happen." And uh, she's like, "Why are you looking at me like that?" I was like, "Oh, I believe you." And as soon as I said, "I believe you," that's when it hit me. That's when the feeling of like. The anger, the dread, the sadness all hit me. And it was like fear and fear of adrenaline. And the room hit. And then I started to sense that thing's feelings and feeling it in the corner. And I was like, oh, something is really here. So I started talking to her. I was like, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be doing this to this girl. Uh, She's doing nothing wrong to you. Just leave her alone. And I was talking to it like that and then i just felt it like started i felt it started getting more angry and i was like just saying to it i was like okay we're gonna have a prayer done we're gonna offer have a tutting dean prayer in the morning and you know how this works we say this prayer it's gonna come back on you and it got even more angry like i was just antagonizing it i i didn't know how to handle it at the time but I was mad, you know, you, you see someone you care about being affected in this way. And I was super angry. But in the room, it was just an intense feeling, like you could cut it with a knife. This feeling of overwhelming anxiety, of fear. And there's just a bunch of energy out of nowhere. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. It, sh- it shouldn't be feeling like this. And this girl was just crying on the floor and I couldn't do anything. I didn't like I I didn't know spiritually what to do at the time. So I, I did my best to protect her. 
And eventually, like, the, the girl, she just fell asleep and couldn't wake up, no matter how hard I tried to wake her up. I was just like, hey, are you okay? No response. Tried chicken, are you okay? Okay, I'll, I'll go over and check her, spa, her, uh, her pulse and her breathing, make sure she was okay. And she was fine. But, like, I remember just staying up that whole night. I'm like, okay. I, I just need to make sure she's still breathing, she's still fine. And everything was okay. And she woke up around 5 a.m. when the sun came up. And she didn't remember anything at all. She don't remember crying. She don't remember it being in the corner. And I was just talking to her, like, does this happen to you a lot? And she was just saying, like, something's following me around. I, I know. And I was like, that's crazy. So we go, we wake up in the morning and to do a Tadadim prayer. And there's just a dozen of crows lined up. And in Navajo culture, crows are kind of like the spies. They're kind of like the shapeshifters. And there's just dozens of crows, a place where they should not be at all. I wake up every morning, don't see a crow there. And there's just a dozen of crows around. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, how is this happening? This is like my first spiritual experience like this. And I was like, how does it get this bad? Because usually if things start getting bad for you, you have bad luck. Uh, things happen to you. You start feeling anxiety. Like I was taught, you go seek help. You go find somebody to help you spiritually. But I think she was just taking it all, all, all upon herself to handle it alone. And we said this prayer and all the crows fly away. But it was just that experience of someone having that in the middle of the night for no reason. And this thing in the corner, like casting a spell on her. I felt it firsthand, and that's my story. I I know your story, your your personal story, but I should have had you do this before, and I really didn't know what you were gonna say. But yeah, let everybody know: are are you psychically gifted, like 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 Hero and Shane Clanner? Yes, uh, I didn't know at the time, but eventually through UTS, I did become more gifted. Okay. Because uh, uh, yeah, you like I said, I you, you and I we talked about this for mm-hmm. all all night. Uh, then let me let me bring in the guys, Hero Patai. They're going to tell the stories in a second. Had you guys heard this story before? I have not. Uh, well, I'm saying that because now I'm kind of wishing we did do video because I can see the reactions that they were having on here. At, at first, it was I had the same reaction. Also, the three of us had the same reaction. As this uh, we thought the scary part was. I met this girl. I was like, "Uh oh, where's this going?" (laughs) Yeah, but but the story starts out with "I met this girl." (laughs) Yeah, it can go either way. It could be happily ever after, or just no, just yeah. The scary part was she pulled a knife on Colton. (laughs) (laughs) I was scared for a little bit. That was gonna happen. I was yeah. scared for a little bit. No, but, but you, you said this was your first real spiritual experience. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, were you were you were you skeptic before that, or, or I mean, because since you had um, your, I was sort of just hearing like being outside and hearing like knocks at the door or something, or like uh, being dark and feeling like something's outside. Outside of that, just like my first experience, like okay, this cannot be replicated. There is definitely something going on here that's not physical but spiritual. Okay, so there, there's, uh, there's that story. So thank you for that. Now, 
the uh, senator's son. We might explain <laughs> what that means. Pattaya, Pattaya, your next. Uh, you get you got a few. I mean, you, you pick pick, and every single one of them, it, like you said, if it's like he's close to death. He's cl- he's uh, in peril all the time. So pick pick two really 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 good ones and, and share those. All right. So two good ones. Um, I'm definitely going to talk to you guys about the Washoe Club in Virginia City. Uh, personally, that is by far uh, my scariest experience. Um, but I'm going to talk to you about that one second because, like I said, it's my scariest experience personally. The first one, it, it, it it's almost... It's not so much one experience. It's a journey of experiences that I that I had when I first discovered the reality behind what hero does and and what is truly going on in the spiritual world. Um, some of you guys know that uh, me and hero we go back for what is it now twenty five years of friendship. We, we, uh, our parents were neighbors and we, we would have play days and we'd go riding our power wheels up the road since we were three years old. And I, I grew up with this, with this guy and I grew up with this family and, uh, things didn't, you know, I, I knew what the Navajo culture entailed. I knew the stories, some of them anyway, I don't want to say I knew them all. I knew some of the stories, some of what they did ceremony-wise, things like that, growing up. Uh, but I didn't really experience much until me and Hero lived together in a house. And uh, that's my intro into the paranormal, is uh, watching him, a 270-pound dude, six foot four or six foot five, you know, this strong, tall guy, get thrown off his feet backwards out of a bathroom. And to have that hallway completely engulfed with a black smoke or a mist, I don't know how to describe it really. Uh, to see that consume the hallways where I couldn't even see Hero anymore, that that was my introduction into the reality of the paranormal side of, or spiritual side, I should say, of our lives. And the scary part was taking what I was taught growing up learning what I just discovered and trying to make sense of it all. And from that point on, Hero kind of took me under his wing. He he trained me on a lot of stuff. On He taught me a lot of stuff that went on in the spiritual world. It goes on in the spiritual world every day. He brought me on a journey myself into learning how to handle these different things that happen. Because when, when, you, when you grow up as Christian... They speak of spiritual warfare. They speak of, you know, demonic entities. But until you really experience it in your own life, it's more of like a, it's more like a story in a book. You know, you you think it's there. You you kind of believe it's there, but until you experience it, you don't know what to expect. And from that moment on, once I was brought into that spiritual realm of reality, I, it was a scary journey for me, you know, knowing things were out there that were that powerful, knowing things that were out there that would want to cause you harm. 
um, it was very hard to really grasp and consume. And it took me a little while to really get used to it. And even to this day, I'm still not 100% used to it, um, obviously, because I'm like a spiritual punching bag. I go into these places with my friends, with my brothers now. And over the years, Hero has helped me begin to develop a gift. Um, I can sense different things that are in the room. No, I can't see them. Um, I'm not that gifted. Uh, but we're working on getting me trained up to be more spiritually gifted so I can pr better protect myself. And that that kind of leads me into my most scary experience as Pataya, as who I am. Like I was saying, my first scary experience is trying to wrap my head around the reality of everything, which brings me to the absolute spiritual battle that we encountered at Washoe Club. Um, our trip, our hollowed journey to Virginia City, it all, it all started, um, I believe we started driving down. I drove down on a Thursday and we started driving down to Virginia City. We had an investigation Friday night. Uh, Saturday night, we had two investigations. I am a, I'm a diabetic, so right off the bat that, you know, physically I am not as strong as I could. Especially when my numbers aren't uh, what they should be. And uh, I was experiencing a lot of physical ailments all the way um, to Virginia City. And while we were in Virginia City, um, I was experiencing a lot of pain. Uh, I just could not get my blood sugars straightened out. It was a, it was a rather bad time. And... Our first investigation that night was at the uh, the Crown Point Mill. Um, I was still experiencing a lot of pain during that investigation, but uh, one thing everybody's going to get to know about me is I don't give up too easy. Um, I will continuously go at it until I just can't do it, until I, I physically cannot do it anymore. And so I, I went through that investigation, you know, powerhouse just get through it, investigate the best you can, be there for the guys. And that's what we did. And uh, we ended up sleep, sleeping in the truck that night, um, or I should say for a few hours that morning. And uh, that brought us to our second investigation Saturday night, which is the Washoe Club. I was excited about the Washoe Club. Uh, number one, I get excited whenever we go somewhere where Ghost Adventures has been. Um, you know, that's a group that we've watched since we were kids. And so I, d I found out that's where Ghost Adventures had been. And I got excited. I was, like, ready to go. Uh, we get in there. And right from the bat, my, my physical ailments just amplified. Um, I was feeling more sick. Feelings of wanting to throw up. Feelings of being in pain. Um, it was hard to walk. Like, my feet were in so much pain, it was hard to walk. And with the Washoe Club, it was, we had to go up some rickety stairs that felt like they were going to collapse under you. Um, we, it was a multi-story building, so we had to go up multiple flights of stairs to get to the different parts of the building to investigate. And, uh, I remember right before investigation, we were out in the truck, and we were talking, you know, what the plan of action was, what we were going to do. And, and one of the spirits that um, is with us everywhere we go, he, he helps us with everything. He told David, he's like, 
I just want to let you know something's going to happen tonight. And uh, you're going to let it happen. These guys need to learn. They need to learn how to fight spiritually. They need to learn how to power through what tries to take advantage or even take them. They, they need to learn how to fight against these things because as you grow as a group, you're going to end up going into places that are stronger, um, that, are, that are more evil, that are going to have effects on you that you're not going to be prepared for unless you start training them now. And Hero had a very hard time with that because he is a very protective person over everybody in the group. Um, and uh, we, we're all sitting there. We don't know who's going to be affected. You know, we don't know who it's going to be. Right off the bat, we know it's probably 99.999%. It's not going to be Hero or Shanklin. Like, we just know those two guys probably, probably not going to be affected. They're going to be the ones doing the saving 99.9999% of the time. And so personally, I was, I know that I'm the spiritual punching bag. Uh, personally, I had a good feeling, you know, I was in a lot of pain and I was, I was pretty sick, but I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be me this time. Um, I was, I was talking with hero and, and, uh, we were talking about how I needed to put up better protections, how I need to learn how to do that. And I felt like, Overall, I felt like I, I might have been okay. I that I can go into this place and I can investigate and I can help the group and I can be okay. And I I can't tell you how wrong I was. We we get into this building and we get everything set up. We're in the home base and I'm just not feeling good. Uh, but I still go up with the guys. You know, we we go up. Um, where it really, really started to take a bad turn for me was once we got, I believe it was the second floor. Um, there is a room that had a doll, a very, very old doll that people in that establishment named Annabelle. And no, it's not the same doll as the movies. It doesn't look the same, but that's the name that it was given. And we walk into this room, and I felt a very, very dark presence, and I felt a tightness in my chest that, that, that was painful. And I had been in pain all night, and my legs had been hurting, and I was nauseous. But this pain was different. This pain was was very different. It was in my chest. It was in my it was in my heart. I felt the darkness in that room. And as we were making communication uh, with the spirits there, it, it got so bad for me that I had to, I had to leave. I had to get out of that room. And I expressed that to Hero. I told him, I, I, I was kneeled down next to him. And I told him, I was like, Hero, I got to go. And he, he looked at me. He knew that I was not doing all right. And so he said, you need to ask the spirit for permission to leave. So I did. I asked that spirit. And over the spirit box, it flat out told me no. When I asked it if I can leave, it flat out told me no. So I asked again. I told it, I need to leave. Can I leave? And it said no again. It didn't want me to leave that room. It was not giving me permission to leave that room. 
but Hero knew that I needed to get out because it was going to get bad. And so he told me, go ahead and go. And then he told Nalrion. He said, Nalrion, go escort him. Go with him. Take him out. As we left that room and we started making our way down the stairs, I felt like someone took a blade and sliced my stomach open. It was a burning sensation that I, I don't know how else to describe other than I got cut. And I billowed over and I about collapsed and Narion, he he helped hold me up and he called out to the guys for help and they came running down. And at the further away, the, the further, the closer we got to leaving that building, the worse the pain was getting for me. And we were trying to make our way outside to the truck. We were going through these stairs. These stairs are very, very old and very weathered. Uh, you walk on them and you feel them move. You feel them shake like they're going to collapse. And I got to the point where I almost could not walk. And that's when Hero started telling me, he's like, you need to, you need to reach within and get every, all the strength you have. You need to walk out of here. And so at, the, at that point, I all I could think of was was the things Hero had told me previously about, about reaching deep within, pulling out strength from my spirit, strength from my soul to help my physical body get through what it was going through. And I reached in and I gave it everything I had to get up those stairs and to get out of there. And we were at the truck. And at that point, they, they had me lay down. They were helping me with some ceremony. And they we were going through it. And the pain was getting worse in my chest. And, and then, it, then it started to lighten up. Uh, but as it started to lighten up, different things started happening around us outside. And we all could feel that presence was outside at this point. And it was there, standing there, looking at me. And I remember I remember laying, I was laying down on the, the bed of the truck, on the tailgate. And I don't know what exactly happened, but the pain just ceased. Everything went numb. And I remember looking behind everybody and right there right standing clear as day to me was a shadow and it was moving it was pacing back and forth and the guys were asking me where is it where do you see it where is it where, where do you feel it and I told them where it was behind them and at that point it kind of disappeared and I believe it went back into the building at that point I I was I was in a spiritual battle. You know, I was fighting spiritually as hard as I could. And they they went back into the building to confront it while I was outside. And while they were inside the building, everything started getting easier for me. Like, it, the pain started lessening. Um, the tightness in my chest was going away. So I was feeling okay again. And that's when I expressed to them that I'm okay, I can come back. So they said, come back in. So we went back in and we went to the third floor, I believe. There is a room in the Washoe Club. Uh, they deem it the demon room. Because that is a room that the demonic entity they believe is there. They believe that is the room it resides in. We went straight to that room. And as soon as I walked through that doorway, 
I could feel it spiritually trying to take hold of me. I I didn't I couldn't really express myself verbally. I, I was so focused on spiritually not letting this spirit take hold of me because of things that have happened to me in the past. I did not want that again. I was giving everything I had to fight it. During all this, there there came a moment where I, I just blacked out. I do not remember what happened. I don't have recollection of what I said, of what I did. I don't remember any of it. And when we were reviewing the evidence for the Washoe Club, I was seeing firsthand that time frame that I was gone. Mentally, I was gone. I was fighting spiritually to make sure that I was okay. And watching that footage, it was very rough to watch. Uh, looking at me, you you just you see you see everything's just drained from me. At one point, you can actually see Sean Clen is checking me for a pulse. I had fell over, and I was on the ground, and I wasn't moving. And he was checking me for a pulse, and watching that, it's very hard. Knowing that that, will, that was happening. And I was doing everything I possibly could spiritually to fight it. I, I wasn't going to give up, but at the same time, I wasn't strong enough spiritually to, to really fight it. And I remember Sean Clan trying to help me. And uh, I feel like I, hang, I hung on pretty well. I feel like I did. You know, in... in Overall, maybe I did, but spiritually, I feel like I did my absolute best. And when Hero stepped in, you know, he it got to a point to where he was like, you know what, enough is enough. And um, he stepped in. They essentially performed an exorcism on me. You can see, you see another side of Hero that you don't get to see in a lot of episodes. He he went, he went spiritual mode, you know, I call it beast mode, and he, he literally reaches inside my body, inside my chest, and he ripped out what was in there. And you can see all of that happen right in front of the camera. And while all that's happening, not only do you get to see that, but we have REM pod activity. We have doors shutting by themselves where no one's near them. And all of this is being caught on camera. And I'm not going to lie, when all of this was said and done and we finally left that establishment, I did not want this episode being put out there. I, I didn't want people to watch what I went through because of the, the intensity. But after talking with Hiro and Sean Quinn, you know, this, it's a learning experience. It's, it taught me a lot. And at the end of the day, unearthing the supernatural, we are all about helping people to learn how to deal with things. And if this episode helps somebody out there, 
hang on just a little bit longer, we might as well put it out there. That overall is my most intense, scary moment. Feeling helpless, feeling like I truly was going to die. Sitting there in a random building on the third floor in the middle of Utah. Like that that was my that was my ultimate scary experience. And even to this day, you know, with everything that I've gone through since we've started UTS, I feel like I've experienced a lot and I feel like there's been a long time of me having to deal with it uh, mentally. And a lot of that is really rough, and I don't think people realize that. You know, when people mess with these dark entities and whatnot, and they they have to essentially fight them spiritually, it's it takes a whole nother toll on you. And um, with with all that being said, like, I don't wish that upon anyone. But if you're gonna watch it, and I suggest you do, so you learn. It's going to be available for you on Halloween. Yeah, which is uh, well, if you're listening on Friday, it's a couple of days from now. But here, Okoto, let me let me bring you guys in because I, I want to ask you guys a, a a few things about 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 his whole story. Number one, um, here you and I, we we actually recorded a, an episode at at both at uh, Vulture City during the Paracon, and and, and it's played on Paranormal Perception. Where we talked about you being an exorcist, and, and obviously you had to do it, perform it here with a with Pattaya. But one thing I forgot to ask, and kind of makes sense now that, now that I think about it, and people listening probably figured it out also. When I mentioned when we when we did our interview, I mentioned that we've all heard because of the movie or because you just know about it, you're a practicing Catholic or Christian, you hear about exorcisms and and Catholic priests doing doing uh, exorcisms. But not the exorcist, but the demons. The demons, there's no religion attached to them, is it? They just are. Because most people think that, you know, demons, they're a part of Christianity or or Catholicism. But what I'm learning from from you guys, see, again, why I keep saying you guys give me a completely different perception is demons, they, at least as far as I'm seeing, they don't, they're not, they don't attack people because you're a Christian or because you're Catholic. They they just are. Is that is that correct? That that is very correct. So with the demons and the darker side of things, they don't see religion. They don't see political sides. They don't see any of the human things that we're really going through. All they see is energy. All they see is a soul. All they see is you're walking on the physical plane. And whatever their goals, whatever they want, they're gonna do whatever they can to get what they want. And for this particular night, they wanted Pattaya. And how I talk about it is, you hit it right on the, the nail on the head. It's not based on religion. It's a life and death spiritual battle. They don't care what faith you belong or who you believe in. They're there and they're going to try hunting and they're going to get what they want. Yeah. And the other thing is... Because this was, I know you said you mentioned Utah, but you meant Virginia City, right? Where where this takes place. Yeah, yeah. Because I we, with paranormal perception, apparent the the very first episode we ever did was a live event in in Nevada. Also, uh, so we've done Nevada. I've been to Virginia City a few times. 
uh, every time every time I cross the border from from California into Nevada without fail, like few minutes in, I start getting pains. Also, my stomach starts hurting. I start getting a headache. Something so especially cold to heroes since you guys are are, are are gifted more more psychically gifted is nevada especially haunted or what is, what is it about nevada that that causes people like like Pattaya and myself to feel these this illness uh so it happens with a lot of older places that have a lot of history and especially in the place we're at in virginia city there was a lot of satanic rituals that happened there that summoned this demon to that room and while we were in that room, it was like we weren't a part of that building. That room was a separate entity in a sense. And when that whole thing was happening with Pattaya, it felt like we weren't in Virginia City. We weren't a part of the old wash show. We were just in a room in a different space and time. And there was just so much energy in that room that we had a lot of evidence going on. We had the REM pod going off. We had the ovulus going off. We had uh, the spirit box talking back to us. And it was just all this evidence. And you just see Pattaya and the struggles he was going through. And it wasn't just a moment where it switched. It was like a little bit at a little bit and a little bit. And you see progressively Potaya fighting for his soul, for his spirit. And it's really hard to watch as a cameraman. I'm capturing this firsthand. And I remember just getting mad, like, oh, this spirit, like, why would it choose Potaya? Why doesn't it just pick a fair fight? But these demons, they don't fight fair. They, they fight to win, to win their one battle. And it's really hard to watch someone go through that. And especially in an old building where satanic rituals were happening, that's where, like, it was its its goal is to bother people, to possess people, to take souls. So now to go into the into the Nevada question, as far as for why it seems in Nevada is particularly uh, spiritually active, particularly haunted. Uh, it could be a lot of factors. It could be where beings or where people really went it was part of the old west so you definitely have the history there but you also have um the modern day uh i guess the modern day connections of wanting to escape you got las vegas you got reno nearby of i mean them literally being called sin city and as far as for the darker side of things the mob definitely did run things out of uh Las Vegas and Reno as far as for then that being their their hub but also a lot of people don't really take into account the indigenous aspect of Nevada in especially near those mountains over there the Sierra Nevadas and you start going into Lake Tahoe you have the Paiute you have the Washoe you have other ancient tribes that have been there that have established a very interesting connection with the land and the spirits that are there most people see it as a desert. Most people see it as a barren wasteland. But it was very spiritually active before the settlers came around. You would definitely have like stories of the, uh, the red-haired giants. You have stories of huge deities. And it's not just those tribes. All, all tribes along the West Coast, along uh, the Southwest, Midwest, 
we talk about the Sierra Nevadas. We talk about the Lake Tahoe. We talk about those areas being spiritually active for huge entities, huge entities and creation stories. Some tribes actually have their creation stories coming from Nevada itself. And when you disrupt that, when that gets built over for greed, that fuels a lot of dark power, that fuels a lot of dark energy. And that particular place in Virginia City was those hills are very sacred to the Paiute and the Washoe tribes. Used to be huge forests, lakes, rivers all over the place. And Virginia City in particular was wiped out as far as for the trees. The trees that used to cover those hills and those mountains were used to build Virginia City. So the suffering, the death, everything that happened there is instilled in those buildings. I mean, you got Virginia City and the Crown Point Mill where Nevada's worst industrial accident happened with the Yellow Jacket Fire. So it's soaked with death. It's soaked with darkness. And I think all that, everything adds to the darkness of Nevada. That, make, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. So uh, let's finish up with you, Hero. You, I know you've got like 200 of them, but have you, have you picked one <laughs> you can share with us? Well, let me go ahead and get get the mood right (laughs) so I'm going to go ahead and introduce a story about one particular object and it's particularly haunting story and how it came to be now this particular haunted object I have in my hand right now this is uh, the sister's tears and so in this little bag here I have um, a very sacred object that is used to bring sisters back from a dark place. And so let me set the mood of the story. Let me set the the, the setting of the story. I want to take you back in time. Back on the Diné Reservation near Dineta. And it is a time when there was no electricity. There are no automobiles. There were no planes. There's no modern conveniences. This is before the, even the settlers came. There once was a time where there was two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister. One was around uh, just toddler age, able to speak, able to walk, able to do things. That was the younger sister. And the older sister, she was about ready to get married off. She, she knew how to take care of the home. She knew how to take care of things. And... There came a particular time where these two sisters were part of a family. The mother and the father and the brothers had left the homestead. The brothers went off to war. They had a warring party with the father. And the mother, she had to go. They were, they were, they were hungry for food. So she went over to a relatives, which was across the valley. And so they entrusted the older sister to take care of the younger sister in the in the Hogan. And this is an eight-sided structure. They have their livestock, they have their they have their sheep, they have their cattle, they have their horses. And so they had to make sure someone stayed home to take care of take care of everything. And the sister was like, I'll take care of it, don't worry. I'll take care of my younger sister here and we'll we'll take care of the home. So they do their daily duties. 
They put the animals in the corrals, they feed the animals, they feed the dogs, and they begin to, to make dinner ready. Uh, they got the food together and they're about ready to, to go to bed. And as they're closing up the Hogan door, they put the blanket up just to show them like there's a ceremony going on. And that's a common teaching is when there's a ceremony going on, you put a blanket over the door to, to, to signify to the spirit people that there's a ceremony going on. And that was just as a protection to make sure no one really comes around, no one visits, and no one bothers the home. So they're getting ready for bed. They're putting the, the fire, they're kind of dampening the fire, and it's nice and warm, and they're laying on the sheepskins. And just as they're about ready to start laying their heads down, the, the, the dogs, they start barking. They start barking and they start running around, which on the reservation is not, not all that uncommon. So the younger sister starts getting a little worried. She's like, I'm, I'm scared. Can I, can I lay with you? So the two sisters huddle together in the, in the sheepskin. The older sister grabs a blade and she holds it close and uh, she just makes sure that her sister's taken care of and does what she normally does And in times when things start getting a little spooky. Throughout the night, not too long after that, they start hearing taps on their home. They start hearing knocks on the home, scratches on the home. The dogs would bark and they would hear like pitter-patter of something running around. And so they started getting a little worried because there's no one around. There's no one to call. There's no one to, 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 to be there to help protect them. They huddle inside the blanket and they lay up against the sheepskin. And they're startled all of a sudden. The blanket at the door starts flapping as if there's a big wind outside. They they begin to, to get nervous and she starts praying. They start singing. And in the middle of the prayer, the sister screams. The younger sister screams. The older sister turns and looks. And in the younger sister's hands, uh, there is suddenly uh, an herb called Bilintinsi. And this herb is is a sign of, uh, of bones, is a sign of a burial site. It only grows where a body had been buried. And she asks her sister, where did you get that from? She says, something slapped my hand and it was in my hand. And the older sister was was nervous and scared. She's like, there's nothing in here. I was just singing. And as she says that, the fire just blows out and it starts getting dark. And so the sisters, the older sister told the younger sister, I need you to pray. I need you to sing with me. And this younger sister, she's scared. She's holding on to the skirt of her older sister. They get, they, together they get up and they try getting the fire going again. And they finally get it lit again. And the sister says, put that herb, put it in the fire. When they put it in the fire, it burns purple. And they weren't too familiar with it. They didn't know what, what was happening. And they went to sit back down 
And as soon as they sat down, they, the sheepskin they were sitting on began to vibrate. It began to move and shift underneath them. And they got up scared. They got up crying. They didn't know what to do. And in their frantic state, they, they went to the south of the Hogan. And the fire blows out again. And when the fire, fire blows out again, they hear a voice. Ah, day. Which in Navajo means they're coming. Something's coming. And that scares them because there's no one else that's supposed to be there. Usually on the south side of the Hogan, there's a window. And they, they kind of start peeking out the window. And as they peek out the window, the younger sister screams and grabs at the older sister's skirt. The older sister turns down and looks and sees her sister, a dark figure, dragging her sister out of the Hogan. And she reaches down and grabs her sister's hands and the sister's screaming, save me, help me, help me. And then you hear, ah, dead. And it lets go. That dark entity lets go. They get the fire going again and they look and they see that the blanket was all scratched up, torn up. And so they just sit next to the fire and they get the fire poker and she's holding her blade close and they keep praying and praying. All of a sudden, the the flap, the blanket, swings open and in front of them, there's this being that's that they describe as a being that has antlers, a being that has glowing purple eyes and is breathing a purple flame. And then it looks at the younger sister and points at her and says, Ade. And the older sister grabs her little sister and they're screaming, they're, they're crying. And all of a sudden the younger sister stops crying. And she looks up at the older sister and she says, not here, take this. And in the older sister's hand is some fingers. And the older sister just, she couldn't even let out a scream. She's like, what, what is this? What is this? And the younger sister holds up her hand and her fingers are gone. And she says, oh, I gotta go. No longer, that younger sister was no longer crying, no longer screaming. She says, I gotta go. And she starts walking towards that entity. Now the sister gets that fire poker and throws it at this entity. It screams and runs off. But the sister says, I have to go. And she starts walking out the Hogan. The older sister's trying, trying, trying to keep her away. But there's some force that's kind of giving this younger girl some immense strength. She's leaving the Hogan. And as she's leaving, the older sister gets her hair pulled back into the Hogan. And she's fighting, she's fighting. This being takes the younger sister into the darkness. The older sister ends up cutting her hair, so whatever was grabbing her hair, and she runs out to the darkness. And then as she runs outside, she starts hearing singing, singing, 
And when she continues to walk, she continues to walk on the dirt. She continues to walk towards the wash. She has to find her sister. Something's driving her. She says, I have to find my sister. I can't let her go. She looks up into the sky and there's no stars. She looks up around. There's no light. The only light that she could see was up on the rocks. There was a fire. And she would assume that that's where her sister went. So the older sister was walking, walking, walking. Eventually she made it to where the fire was. And on the fire there was these old, old beings, old people. They were sitting around the fire. They looked up at the older sister. And they said, which translates out to she's not here they took her down there and when they pointed down to the bottom of the rocks there was a that purple flame again that was walking and so the sister looks at these old people and they look sickly they look like barely skin on bones their hair is falling out they have age spots and some of them have some of their skeleton showing on their shoulders and their spines. And she goes down and she goes trying to find her sister. And she couldn't find him all night. And the sun never rose that night for her. It was dark. And she could smell death. She could smell rancid decay. And she kept walking and walking. Eventually, she couldn't, she didn't know where she was. And then she heard the words, Ade. And she looked down, and suddenly there was a blue light on the ground. And she picked up that blue light. And what that blue light ended up being is uh, a beacon. There were several of them on the ground. She picked up these blue lights, these blue crystals, and she followed them. And she kept going, she kept going, she kept going. The whole time she was singing a song, she was singing a prayer. And when she finally reached the end of where the blue lights stopped, she was at the base of a tree. When she looked down into the tree, tree roots, there was a blue flame again. She started to claw her way down. She tried to get into the, the roots of the tree. But then she heard her sister's voice above her saying, leave me alone. And they, they got me already. And she looked up into the tree and she saw her sister hanging by her hair. And she went up and cut her sister down. And she looked at her legs, the sister's legs and there was markings, there was cuts, there was, she was bleeding. Then she picked up her other hand that still had fingers on it and bone was showing. She's like, I need, I need to get you home when you gotta go home. And then she heard the word again, Adet. And when she turned around, that being of antlers and blue and purple flame was standing there. Suddenly it pulled out some uh, yucca, yucca beads and just started shaking it around. 
saying that you want to come too, I'll take you. Suddenly the blue beads in her hand that she had picked up on the way trying to find her sister started to glow. And she threw those at these being, this being and it screamed a deathly howl and ran into the root of the tree again. Her sister unfortunately died that night. But she picked up these blue beads and she went home. When she went home, the sun finally rose. And when the sun rose, the mom came back as well as the dad and the warriors. And she told them the story and she held these blue beads in her hand. And they said, where's your sister? And they, she said, she's gone. She's over by this tree. So she took them to the tree and the sister's body was gone. But when they looked down, they noticed these blue beads again, these blue lights on the ground. And they followed them. And as they went, they picked them up. And they went into the deep into a canyon. And then an old man came from behind a rock. Says that she's gone. But here, take these beads with you. She's gonna, she, you'll find her again with these beads. But he said, let me give you one more thing. And he reaches up into the tree. And he reaches up into a juniper tree. And he pulls the ba berries from the tree. Normally they're green or blue and covered with uh, a type of material. But when he pulled these beads out and he handed, he handed it to them. As he handed it to them, that blue and green covering on these beads, these seeds, decayed into a, uh, a bead, an actual bead. He said, this will help you go into that world. It will chase off whatever be that being was. So they eventually went and followed more blue beads until they found another tree. This time the sun started to go down. They ended up finding the body of the sister again there. And they took the body back home. And when they went back home, the chanting and singing started howling again. The beast came back and said, you're not going to leave me alone, are you? And they said, no, we're going to find her. And so he pulls out of his bag the spirit of that little girl and says, if you give me those blue beads, then I'll give, a, give her back to you. So the older sister, having seen this thing, kind of grew no longer afraid of it, stepped towards this being, and was handing the blue beads off to this, this being. But just as she handed it off and put it into his hand, his claws, she wrapped those juniper beads around its arm. And it screamed in pain and screamed. And as it screamed, you see lights, the stars came back and beings from the stars came down. And they took care of that being. Out of his bag, they pulled out, they pulled out 64 children, the spirits of these beings. And they said, thank you for getting this being. Thank you for letting us find him. Now, they pointed to the older sister. There's going to be more blue beads. And you're going to use these to find the bodies of these other children. 
and you're going to put them away in a good way. So she was tasked with this, this, this task. She was tasked to do this. And there's more stories about her journeys of doing this, of her walking through the death world, of her walking through the, the darkness. But these beads that she finds, she brought them home to the people. And she described them as children's tears, the sister's tears. As the children are being taken away, they cried. And as their tears hit the ground, they became these blue beads, these blue crystals, these blue lights. And so when you walk through the death world, when you have a hard time finding your way, they say these blue beads here, like the one I have in my hand in this little bag here, they're the ones that help guide you back. Because when you walk in the world of death, a place you're not familiar with, there's there's means, there's stories, there's ways of how to get yourself out of there. And there you go. That 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 is a story that fits perfectly. I want I don't want to say save the best for last because the other the guys were they had good stories too, but that was definitely a good story. Uh, and I, I gotta say, send me a, a picture of that because you know we're not doing video here; it's only audio. So uh, I'll put that up on our social media so they can see exactly what you were holding in your hand. So there you go. There are the stories for now. We got everybody. Then we've got uh, every single member of UTS. And tell them again one more time where they can find all the videos, especially the ho- the Halloween special that Patai mentioned on uh, on Paraphrase. Definitely. So unearthing the supernatural, we can be found. On all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter, Twitch, you can find us there. You can also find us on YouTube where we're going to be having uh, partial episodes, full episodes, uh, some of our old episodes from season one, as well as some new content, including uh, uh, Heroes, Spiritual Lessons and Tales, and also some uh, of our evidence review. But if you want to check out some of the new uh, full episodes, definitely go on to Paraflix. Uh, paraflix.com you can check that out and see our full episodes and our full investigations where you will actually be able to witness the story that pataya had you can also check us out on anything the supernatural.com where you can see some of our merchandise or tell us some of the scary stories that you have or if you're being bothered yourself you can get a hold of us there as well i'm not gonna forget this time i always forget tell them about your book too <laughs> so i have uh, written a book called uh, Journeys of a Young Spirit, Abalone. Uh, it's the part one of four, and you can find that on Amazon as well as on our website. That book tells of uh, traditional stories of our deities to the West in the San Francisco Peaks in Flagstaff, Arizona, and his coming-of-age ceremony. And if I ever get down to it, I need to get working on it. Uh, part two, I'm hoping to have out by the end of the year, and the subsequent parts as well as other books should be coming out shortly. So again, there you go. There, I have, I'll have everything on the uh, show description for all you guys listening. But uh, Kota Pattaya Hero, Sean Clinton, and Best Pilot, they're not here with us now. But you already heard their story. So thank you again. I'll wish all of you a happy Halloween because it is the weekend. And I'm sure I'll talk to you guys again soon. And that oh, yeah. oh, oh. Oh. was Paranormal Perception. The facts and opinions heard on this episode are those of the guest and host of Paranormal Perception. If they make you uncomfortable or cause you to question your outlook on life, good, you're waking up. Continue that journey on the show's official website, 
theparanormalperception.show. Contact Henry with questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, Henry at paranormalperception.show. Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel.